David Goodman, you are the autobiographer of James T. Kirk, probably the finest captain in Starfleet, and now you are the autobiographer of Jean-Luc Picard, arguably the greatest captain in Starfleet. Now, have you written the second book because of or despite popular demand? <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 566, Captain Picard's Autobiography. If you're caught up on the most recent episodes of the RSC podcast, it's possible you may have heard me mention that we have a new book out, uh, Pop-Up Shakespeare, illustrated by Jenny Maisel, so available around the world now. But it turns out that other books are being published too, including one I really enjoyed, because of course I would, The Autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard, written by my friend David Goodman, who's also the author of Federation, The First 150 Years, and The Autobiography of James T. Kirk, in addition to being executive producer of Fan Family Guy and the Orville, and writer of episodic television ranging from Star Trek Enterprise to the Golden Girls. David chatted with me a few weeks ago to talk about not only the writing of this new book, but the other books he has coming down the pike. The publisher was very happy with how the Kirk book did, and they contracted with me to do the Picard book. Actually, they contracted with me to do two more books. So Picard, and then next year is Spock. Uh, so that that's pretty exciting. So my first question about having written, having written Kirk's autobiography, and now having written Picard's, and I guess this is a question for your upcoming Spock autobiography as well. Uh, how do you how do you differentiate between the voices of each of these characters when you're sitting down to write? Is it is it hard? Do you just hear Patrick Stewart and William Shatner? Yeah. No, you know, I mean, I think I think that as a as a television writer, I do have an advantage in that. I do sort of have a a, a long years of almost thirty years experience writing uh, voices of other of characters that I didn't create. Um, that's really the that's probably the thing that I bring to these books that gives me an advantage because i didn't create uh either of these guys right uh but but i have i think i've always had a fantasy to get to write for star trek and and those that's star trek is probably the reason i'm a television writer that that was the first show that i sort of started to identify with the writers like i sort of started to see oh somebody wrote came up with the idea for this episode somebody wrote the lines of dialogue in in these characters mouths that the actors aren't ad-libbing and i think that that's always i've read a number of writers have that kind of moment um where they they start to identify with the writer as opposed to just the adventure on the screen or the book or whatever and so i think that's that's probably it is that i i to me i think character story and stories character so in figuring out the book that I was going to write in each of these cases, the story that I'm telling, I want I wanted to reflect what people already knew about these characters. 
And so that ends up informing how they sound because the, the events that are happening in their lives and the formative experiences that I'm coming up with, that I'm making up, are actually reflective already of the character as it exists. Mm -hmm. So there's a way in which that is that is how the characters are sound, I, I hope sounding like familiar to to their fans because I the story that I'm creating is reflective of what we already know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Well, and 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 it seems to me the other thing you bring to these books is your <laughs> encyclopedic knowledge and um, <laughs> nerdiness about all things. I do bring that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the cookbook was much easier in a certain way, I'm much more immersed in original Star Trek than I am in Next Generation, although obviously I'm plenty immersed in Next Generation. But there was an extra 20 years of watching Star Trek reruns that, of the original series that I don't have with Next Generation. And so I had to do a little bit more going back and watching specific episodes that I hadn't watched since they aired and, and for this book to find, uh, find Picard it was a little harder. Well, and I'm two-thirds of the way through it now. And, uh, in fact, he has just met young baby Wesley Crutcher. But, like, I only feel like I have a third way to go, and Wesley's still a baby. So I'm feeling like, wait, how? We're, you haven't even got to the events of the next generation yet. And that was really kind of a surprise. Even as I sat down to write the book and figure this out, he's 50 when he's captain of, of the Enterprise D. Yeah. So he's had 50 years of life by the time he gets there. Most of the book is not on, is not in the adventures that we're familiar with, uh, which was really interesting. That was different than the Kirk book because in the Kirk book, you know, Kirk is captain of the Enterprise at 35 or 34, whatever the age we determined that he, he was. And that's, that's almost a 20 year difference. So, um, Actually, I think I think uh, I think part of the book is actually he's over fifty because it's he's he's fi it's his fiftieth birthday when the stargazer is destroyed. Right, like that. I added that. Spoilers. Uh, well, it's, I don't care. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but uh, you know, but that so he's older than fifty, and so, and then you really sort of get into like. You know, well, he's lived. You know, for for uh, for for a, a reader in current um, times, uh, fifty is you know it's a long time. And uh, the the last third of the book um, really does cover those events that we're more familiar with, and and then the rest of his life after that. But which which we have actually a fair amount of of uh, stuff that's been established in the show. Um, but most of his life happens before he's on the enterprise D. Well, and you said you had to yeah. immerse yourself. It's, it's, it, what I love about both of these books is, is, is the weaving and the mashing together of <laughs> all this information that we've, that we have from all these different episodes right. turned into a linear ish, storyline uh, or, or a timeline, I guess. Um, but yeah. so, and, and so I come across these names and I'm reading a digital edition and I don't know if this, this won't be the official digital edition, 
but I would love a digital edition to have every one of these names be a hyperlink to the Memory <laughs> Alpha <laughs> wiki. <laughs> how much did you how much did you have to refer to sort of online resources for who all these you characters know, I, are? I, I'm still old school. I, I have actually the uh, the new edition of the Star Trek Encyclopedia came out and um, written by my friends Mike and Denise Okuda, and so I bought that, mm -hmm. and uh, that that I use that. I use other books that I have. Sometimes if I'm in a rush, I, I'll go online and look. Um, but it really was. Um, it was what 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 my process i guess was okay here we are um uh kirk i need the name i need kirk to, i mean kirk i need picard to be engaging with another a bunch of other starship captains who are these people what are the references that we could be using um but but the other thing about it is the reason why i wouldn't want a hyperlink is I think that there's fun for a reader to just read the book uh, and and think, oh, these are just characters in this book if they don't recognize the names. So for super fans, they read it and like, oh, look, it's the guy from Deep Space Nine or whatever. Uh, and for somebody who's never read, watched Deep Space Nine, you're reading it and it's like, oh, this is the. Uh, this station, Deep Space Nine, seems kind of interesting. So, well, yeah, and, and it's and I'm doing both. I'm sort of hurting my own reading experience because I'm just right. nerding out and going, "Wait, A.G. Right. Robinson, who's he?" And that leads me to a whole episode of, of from right. Enterprise, which I've never right. seen. So it's now like, well, now I got to put the book down and go watch that episode of that's Enterprise. That's a great. That's a that's a terrific episode. That's one of the best Enterprise episodes, I think. So you did actually have to create characters and plots and events yeah. to fill in the gaps yeah the hardest parts in the kurt book and the and, and the picard book were childhood yeah uh because they're really in both cases there's very little about these guys childhoods kirk's on the farm i can't be less interested in in farm life right uh or and, the, or the and, mechanics and, of winemaking well that was that was the other piece it's like oh oh god i where i have my books right here i here are my wine books that i had <laughs> I, I wanted that section to feel like a, an autobiography of a guy who grew up on a vineyard. And I didn't want to do a sci-fi cheat of in the 24th century, we don't have to pick the grapes or, you know, that there is, we, we, you know, this, the, this, the super X machine will do, you know, and it's like, yeah. that's not going to be interesting. Uh, because also there was a feeling when you saw that vineyard, of a, you know, of that it was primitive, yeah. that it was really kind of like a, an old and so and that I felt was really kind of a good piece of of the story. And in any event, going back to your question, I have to fill that in with people. I have to fill that story in with people, some of whom have been referenced, some of whom haven't. And then the other piece that was really difficult was the twenty years on the Stargazer. That's a long time as yeah. captain of that ship. And uh, I didn't want it to read like a comic book. Yes, everything was great on the Stargazer. I, I wanted – that had to be interesting, and I had to fill it with characters uh, that I found fun and interesting for him to, to be engaged with. And to me, the best – my one of my favorite things that I came up with in the book was why Picard doesn't want kids on the ship. That, to me – 
one of my favorite things that I came up with. I highlighted, uh, I highlighted that. I, that it's fantastic backstory and explains so much. Well, and not only invent characters, but invent um, plot and events. I mean, sir, there are a handful of things that happen. Uh, well, I won't spoil it, but there are a handful of things that happen. I won't. Well, this would make a great episode. <laughs> Young Jean Luc, you know, TV right. show. Hi, this is Scott Bakula, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Okay, can you please take the gun away from my head now? Where can you RSC the RSC? Our U.S. fall tour of all the great books abridged, William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged, and the ultimate Christmas show abridged continues next week with performances in Aiken, South Carolina, Davis, California, Laramie, Wyoming, Asheville, North Carolina, Maryville, Tennessee, Somerville, New Jersey, San Jose, California, Algona, Iowa, Reston, Virginia, and La Mirada, California. Next winter, we'll be performing William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged off-Broadway at the New Victory Theater in New York City, and next June, June of 2018, we'll return to the Pittsburgh Public Theater to close out their season with our production of Long Lost Shakes. And of course, Pop-Up Shakespeare is now on sale worldwide. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. Well, and the other thing that I love is that, you know, on these episodes, uh, Picard or Kirk meets up with, oh, a lost love, or uh, right. the, one, right. the woman who got away, or whatever it is. Right. Like Janice, the character of Janice, played by Michelle Phillips in like the first or second season. Right. And I now care about that character because you've, the way you've written her. I mean, in, one, in, a certain, in a weird way, the book helps me appreciate the episodes more. Right. Well, that, I mean, what's so interesting, that, that was difficult. Looking at Janice in the episode, it's not the best written episode. It, it's it's a ripoff of Casablanca, yeah. um, and uh, and it, it, so her character doesn't have much life. And I'm trying to figure out, all right, how do you how do we make it? How do we make this character someone that Picard cared about in a really special way, and uh, you know, introducing how they met that, that I enjoyed that too. I enjoyed coming up with, with that, the solution to that because he really is. I mean, if you watch that episode, his description of what he did to her is terrible. Yeah. And it's really awful. It's immature and kind of like, but it's like the, the language of television dismisses how awful it is. Like the way he, he, they, he set up to meet her and then didn't show up uh, in the in the cafe. It's just like what? Yeah. I mean, what? Uh, I'm sorry. You would send a text. <laughs> you would call. Like you, 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 it's terrible. So I had to really own that. I I really wanted to own that. And that's one of the advantages of these these two books is that we really get to be honest about what in fact was lazy cliched writing of the original series of a, of a male character and then next generation of like, it's okay for your leading man to have left a girl at right. the altar. <laughs> That's right. right. And you own like it. Him. You yeah. own it as the writer and Picard owns it in his autobiography. Yes. In a really and lovely I, way. And I think that that makes it more 
makes him more real, but also it's true to the character of Picard that he would own it, that he would say that was terrible what I did. Yeah. The time on the Stargazer, I, I really enjoy probably that section of the book the most, just because I'm like, this is dirty. This is like a down and dirty command. It's not it's not fun. The, the, the ship's a wreck. How he gets to be captain to me is more is interesting and fun. And who he, who he the cat the two captains he served with before he became captain, that was great fun. I mean, I I named the 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 his first captain. Both names are both references to two different to two actors who played two famous ship captains. Oh. And the character and the character Humphrey Lawton is the character's name. Of course. And, and and uh I use you know I'm I'm creating something there uh I'm creating something there uh that I think is really unique and fun and not and unexpected. Well, I picked up on Bly on Captain Bly of course, but I missed completely Captain Queek. That that's great. <laughs> um I love these books. Have you ever I and I've only ever read I don't know, a handful, 5 6 um, Star Trek novels, which right. are not considered canon. Have you have you ever d had a desire to write a Star Trek novel? You know, I did actually. I had a contract for one um, years ago, and I just I actually ended up giving the money back because I just couldn't. I, I, I there was something I wasn't. I guess I just wasn't ready to write a book. The it was a it was, uh, but I used pieces of it in the Kirk book. Uh, the uh, all the stuff about Will Decker, uh, Matt Decker's son, who goes on. But a lot of that stuff was actually stuff I had developed for this Star Trek novel that Pocket Books had contracted me to write. But that I didn't. I wasn't ready to sit down and write a book. I, I was excited by it, and then every time I tried to do it, it was just too painful, and I was too scared, and you know whatever. And do you feel like you're ready now, or do you have an interest now, or, or are these books a kind of a great middle ground? Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there's so much work involved in these books yeah. uh, that I do. I am now sort of looking forward to seeing if I can convince my publisher after the Spock book to let me just write a book, <laughs> like not like a science fiction book or a fantasy or something, because I would I'm, I'm starting to see that these are great training wheels because I'm using all this sort of knowledge. But I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm constricted by uh the canon you know i'm yeah. i'm slavish to it i want i want somebody like me to read the book and not say wait a minute he didn't he couldn't be on the stargazer that year because blah 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 you know i don't want that i want i i haven't and the kirk book you know i read the comments online and people are not finding problems with it which to me is like i did my work they're not they're not like pulling strings and saying wait a minute that's not right he couldn't have done that so um, that that but it's limiting as a writer. So right. I'm hoping that maybe after the Spock book, I'll find the courage to develop a, a, an actual book. <laughs> and have you have you been tempted at all to incorporate non-canonical moments that happen in any of the novels or the games or anything? Well, um, like the, um, the, the doctor character in, on the Stargazer is a character from, it's not the character, he's a species from the animated series. So that's an example that might not be considered canon, but I used, 
I use that. Um, there are a couple of pieces, sort of subtle pieces of things, uh, both in the Kirk book and in this book, where things that I like from other medium have have, have snuck in. Um, there's also always in both books a Family Guy reference. I don't know if you picked it up. I haven't one. picked it up yet. Oh, no, there's a griffin. Yeah. I did pick it. it up. Good for me. <laughs> Yay, me! Woohoo! That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. The autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard by David A. Goodman is being published this week and is the perfect holiday gift for the Star Trek nerd in your life who isn't also a Shakespeare nerd and who's already getting pop-up Shakespeare. Send us your non-canon inventions via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener and David Goodman at David A. Goodman. Thanks as always to Security Chief Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Janet Thomas. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Scott Bakula, Captain Jonathan Archer of the Starship Enterprise. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Tishner, 566, 1698 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. How long do we have to wait for the autobiography of um, Spock? Uh, Spock will be out next fall. Nice. One year later, yeah. Fall of 2018. I, I better start writing. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.